Hi, everybody. Welcome to Unredacted, the Town Hall VIP podcast by Kurt Schlichter here on uh, well, Town Hall VIP. Wait, I said that already. Oh, my gosh. Um, wow. This is, uh, you know, this is a big week for me, and I'm not going to hide it. It is the week that uh, my new book uh, will be back, The Fallen Rise of America, comes out comes out on Tuesday. And uh, I am uh, I'm pimping it like Huggy Bear. I'm putting that bitch out on the street and telling her to bring my money. Uh, I'm doing a lot of media. I'm coming to Washington, D.C. Check me out on uh, Triggered Podcast with uh, Storm and Matt. And I will be uh, doing a Seb Gorka show and just trying, uh, trying everything I can to get that book moving. It is tough to move on fiction. Let's be clear. Now, the, uh, the Kelly Turnbull series of conservative action novels, which you guys have no doubt read. Well, I got news on that. It's, uh, it is Saturday the, what is it, ninth. And uh, today I broke the story. What do I mean break the story? I got the final piece in place for the plot of number seven. And I'm already uh, 36,000 words into 105,000. And uh, it's only now that I figured out how I was going to make all the stuff that needs to happen in the book happen. And uh, I was uh, eating a cheeseburger and fries at a uh, little California diner when it suddenly hit me. And uh, I'll give you a preview. Warriors, come out and play. Now, I know you guys don't come to Unredacted for my thoughts on my books and stuff. I'm just going to sum it up right now. Go get the damn book. It's a good book, and it talks about stuff that's important. And uh, I'll be writing about Town Hall about those things. Uh, uh, Significantly, civil war, national divorce. Ugly shit. But stuff that can happen. And, you know, I get grief on that stuff. Because, of course, I wrote the Kelly Turnbull books, which talk about a national divorce and some civil war stuff. Uh, Red and Blue America split apart, and they fight, as I think is inevitable. I don't think you could split apart and not have them fight. You know, if, you're, if, you, if, you, you know, if Amber Heard lived next door to, to Johnny Depp, you know he'd come home, he'd open his bedroom door, and there on his pillow would be a giant amber dropping, okay? She, she famously, she took a crap in his bed. And uh, I think that's weird and gross, but you, you you get the idea. You can't live next door to someone you're divorced for. So what happens in a, a national divorce? Do they live next door? Uh, I don't see that working. Do you see that working? It ain't gonna work. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna function. So that's kind of where I'm at on that particular thing. And. uh what, but but let's let's expand on that because I do talk about it in some detail in the book, and uh, I throw in some fictional stuff that is little stories of people. What happens to various people as this nightmare unfolds? It would be a nightmare. You, look, civil wars are uncivil. I don't know why they call them civil war. It's exactly the opposite. Uh, they are typically even more brutal than regular wars. I guess maybe you're thinking if you're in a regular war, you know, the enemy's some poor schmuck who has to fight. I have to fight. I'll kill him if I have to. If he surrenders, that's that's fine. Uh, You know, maybe if he's killed one of my guys, I might take a little vengeance. But, it, you know, it ain't personal in the same way. But if it's someone who betrays you, someone of your own country who's doing something that you, you consider so bad and so wrong and so beyond the pale that you figure you have to use violence to address it, you know, you've got the traitor aspect. People people aren't mad at opponents as much as they're mad about traitors. Uh, I don't like Schiff. I don't like Swalwell. That 
flatulent Chicom spy banging piece of shit. But I really hate Adam Kinzinger and uh, the Beltway Cowgirl, Liz Cheney. I mean, I, I freaking despise them. And it's because they're traitors. It's also because they're very annoying on their own, but they, they, they are also traitors. And that is a, uh, that, that's something human nature just doesn't tolerate. So civil wars are ugly. And I, I, again, I've been in the ruins of civil wars and I've been in other kind of civil conflict stuff. I was in Kosovo and we went over to Kosovo. It was a, we were National Guard guys. And you gotta understand about the National Guard guys. We all have other jobs. We all have other careers. So all the officers and the senior NCOs, we're all successful in our civilian jobs. You know, most, many of us were lawyers. You know, many of us uh, business people, we were all, you know, we all had another job and other skill sets. And then we also had to meet all the same skills, uh, uh, get have all the same skills and qualifications as regular military guys. So we would go to, you know, the guard and we bring those skills with us. So we get mobilized. We're sent over to Kosovo, right? Some guys go to Iraq. Some guys go to Afghanistan. That's like getting to put the fire out at the orphanage. We get to go get the cat out of the tree. That's uh, that's uh, the Kosovo mission. But you don't get your choice about missions, and all missions are important. And, in fact, we did a very good job over there. We didn't kill anybody. Uh, we stopped the fighting. We kept the people and made them very pro-American. But what we did is we leveraged our personal skills. So, anyway, we're interacting with these guys. We've got to learn what happened there. And they call it balkanization for a reason. The Balkans is full of these bizarre ethnic groups that you can't tell apart. To the extent I can tell them apart, it's only because I spent a freaking year there and then another year prepping. All right. Can you tell me a difference between a Bosniak, a Roma, a Serb, an Albanian? And there are various varieties of Albanians. And it, it, does it, I mean, can you tell them apart? Does it matter to you? It doesn't, I mean, not to us, but to them, it is literally life and death. They'll literally kill each other. It, you know, you have a village of Albanians sitting next to a village of Serbs. And when the uh, civil conflict started after Tito died, because Tito kind of clamped down on this ethnic shit, which had been going on for hundreds of years. And if you'll you'll go out and you'll you know, we would go on patrol. We talk to these guys and there'd be some Serb or something. Go, you know what the Albanians did? They murdered 20 of us. And we holy shit, red alert, so, you know. Get the get the gunships in the air. Holy cow. When did this happen? Yesterday? Last weekend? No, no, no. 348 years ago. What? He remembers shit like yesterday. They are the ultimate in like angry wives. You know what you did. And it was like 400 years ago. And we're never letting you forget it. And we're like, what the fuck? They just hated each other. And and uh, what happened was the, the country fell apart. Serbia kind of controlled Kosovo, it wanted Kosovo to be a province, but more of the Kosovars were Albanian rather than Serb, and a Serb uh, uh, leader there kind of leveraged, you know, oppressing Albanians to get power. He said, you Serbs are being oppressed, we're not going to play by the rules anymore, you know, we're, you know, so... Suddenly, the rule of law is gone. I mean, look, Tito wasn't a nice guy. Tito was a dictator. But you had some level of predictability. You had some level of if you follow the rules, you're going to be okay. Well, if you throw the rules out, if you have double systems of justice, if different people are treated in different ways, then all bets are off. Does this sound at all familiar? Because I'm not just giving you a, you know, a history lesson on Albania and uh, uh, Kosovo for my, uh, you know, historical jollies. Okay, they did that, 
the Kosovars fought back. They fought the Kosovars, nearly drove all of them out. NATO came in, and uh, the Kosovar Albanians took their revenge. And I would walk through villages. I remember one village near the Ibar River. And I'm walking through. This place is gone. It's devastated. It is, like, blown to bits. I mean, every building is leveled, piles of rubble. And I was like, this is weird because I don't see any blast marks or singes or evidence of fire. You know, if you're dropping artillery and bombs, you're going you're gonna to see that. I'm like, where is that? And my, uh, you know, it's just the weirdest airstrike location I've ever seen. And my Albanian Kosovar interpreter, Adrian, he goes, no, 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 uh, major. I was a major at the time. They, they they did this by hand. I'm like, what? No, they, they did it by hand with with uh, shovels and picks and uh, axes and sledgehammers and crowbars. They tore this whole village down. And it, this is like a brick. These are brick houses, multi-story houses. They did it by hand, man. They didn't blow it up. It wasn't dynamited. What level of hatred do you have to have to literally take tools and disassemble your enemy's village but that's what it was and uh, that really i thought you know we can't we can't tolerate this now we were big guys on the block and you know if you got up at eight we had gunships we had infantry we'd have fucked you up and we'd have fucked you up good and they all knew that and we, we didn't have to say it we were actually pretty cool about things we didn't screw with them. We were like the only occupying force that didn't come in and steal their women and their money and their stuff. They didn't understand it because, you know, having been occupied for 500 years, they were used to people tormenting them and stealing their stuff and all that. And we were cool. We, we still had the giant baseball bat in the form of, you know, helicopter gunships and infantry battalions. Okay. But I'm, did you learn to fucking drive? Good Lord. Sorry, you, you get Kurt Schlichter's podcast as it's done. You get the real thing. You get uh, no uh, no censorship. And if I happen to be doing it in a car, which I am doing because that's kind of how I do my thing, you're going to hear me drive because I have vehicular Tourette's. Yes. Which is, and that's Arena, and she's here. And it, he really does. So anyway, we don't – so back to, back to the point about civil wars – uh, we forced, uh, you know, we essentially forced them to behave themselves uh, because we were scaring everyone else. But we were also cool. We provide an example. Uh, I think we did a good job, but they still fucking hate each other. They still hate each other and want to kill each other. And the the problem is that kind of, Jesus Christ, lady, everybody's retarded today in Los Angeles. Okay. Anyway, how's this all applied to California? Well, there's another thing I saw in California that, that's important. I mean, the Kosovo thing's important. What's also important is what happened in April of 20 or 1992, which is I, uh, was called the active duty for the Rodney King riots for three weeks in Los Angeles. And I saw civilization completely vanish. It just went away, folks. It was gone. There was no civilization. And anybody who tells you, I don't understand why you need guns, has never seen his city on fire. Or if he has, he's a fucking idiot. Okay? It was... Some scary shit, and I was surrounded by, like, trained killers with machine guns, okay? It was not a happy sitch, and these are why I'm very, very concerned about civil conflict. And, of course, who was dumping gasoline on the fire that was the Los Angeles riots? That's right, particle physicist in training, Maxine piece of shit, Waters. 
what a fucking scumbag she was. Dare I say insurrectionist? Ah, oh, what a piece of shit. But yeah, she was encouraging the riots. It was a rebellion. It was the Los Angeles rebellion. Fucking, oh, she's such a scumbag. She's such a, and stupid and corrupt and dipshits around here. I'm actually in her district as we speak. I am passing through uh, Maxine Waters' uh, congressional district, and it looks like shit. But she doesn't care. She doesn't live in it. She lives up in uh, with the rich folks. Oh, it's a, a what a what a fucking scam that is. So, do we have the potential for any kind of civil conflict in America? Of course we do. We have a very 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 scary potential. Do I think it's a great potential? Do I think we are on the day? No. If you say, Kurt, give me your bets. I will bet that we would get through this without significant violent conflict. And when I say significant, of course, it's not always significant to the guy who's getting shot. And we're already having violent conflict. We had that guy trying off uh, Kavanaugh. We had that piece of shit trying to kill a bunch of Senate, a bunch of uh, congressmen. Don't tell me about January 6th. If that was a, if that, if they were trying to kill people, there'd be dead people. Okay, besides Ashley Babbitt, murdered by a regime flunky uh, who our next president should direct his Department of Justice to prosecute for murder. But different subject. No, I, I don't think we're going to have one, but we could. Look, what, you know, I grew up where there were no black swans. You know, I was born in 64, and basically nothing weird happened. The first real strange thing. The first real freak out. I, I, I wouldn't call Watergate a giant freak out, but that was kind of a freak out. And maybe, maybe the Bill Clinton in, uh, impeachment thing, that was kind of a freak out too. But the really, the first b big freak out was not 9-11, but the 20, 2000 election where Democrats refused to accept the results of the election. Does that sound familiar? Apparently that's now, it has suddenly become something that you don't do. But back then, it was something that was A-OK, -okay, groovy, rock and roll right on. And uh, that kind of changed there. It became very, the country changed after that. And then 9-11, it changed, and it keeps changing. Wall Street collapsing, uh, Donald Trump. This kind of, so, so who would have expected any of these things? These are all black swan events, events you don't see coming. There's a chance that they could happen. But we, we've got to understand the impossible, the unimaginable, does happen. And could there be some level of conflict? Now, keep in mind, there is a range of conflict. There is the, you know, the rainbow of types of civil war. And that ranges from mechanized units of infantry and armor backed up by artillery and tanks fighting it out on battlefields. Possible, unlikely. But it, it's, you know, we, we've had that before twice. Civil, uh, the Revolutionary War was a civil war. And the Civil War was, you know, obviously a civil war. And we had, you know, full-scale military maneuvers in those. It's possible, unlikely. Or it could be a uh, another urban leftist insurrection, uh, insurgency, which we had in the 70s. You had the Black Panthers. You had the Weather Underground. Uh, you had the Symbionese Liberation Army. Death to the fascist instinct. Love that. That's just my favorite, my, 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 my favorite cheer of all time. Death to the fascist insect. But it happens. 
And it, it has happened in, in, well, at least in my lifetime, but, you know, that's 50 years ago. But remember in the early 70s, late 60s, there were bombs going off all the time. Cops were getting killed. Black Panthers were getting killed. People were dying, not in, not in huge numbers. It wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't a massive death count and it was handled as a criminal affair rather than a military insurgency. Uh, the mil- the, it, it was st- essentially stamped out by law enforcement, including the FBI before it became a tool of the fascist regime. Death to the fascist insect! It's good. That's, I'm gonna get that tattooed, uh, somewhere on me. What do you think, hon? No. Okay. Death to the fascist insect! <laughs> But look, that that could happen again. I I don't think these guys are they, look. They weren't super competent, but you know, they they went out and and caused stuff. And, and we could have people doing that again, in an organized way. Uh, Kurt, could there be a low grade red insurgency? There could. It's not exactly our style. There's no real history of us doing it, but uh, it, it, it certainly could happen. I don't think it's likely. But what would it be like? It would be ugly. I'm just going to look. I could go on for hours about what a civil war looks like. I do in the book. If you want the, go get the book. We'll be back. Fallen Rise of America. If you want a detailed look at it. But just let's look at the terrain, right? Situation. In the military, first thing in the op order, situation. Enemy forces. What, what, are, the, what are the forces look like? Right now, you have a regime. You have law enforcement within the regime, which is deeply corrupt. You have a judicial system, which at least in certain places is deeply corrupt, but also has elements that are not as a recent Supreme Court. What is with these retarded people on the road, as the recent Supreme Court decisions uh, make clear? So that's kind of a, 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 a weird correlation of forces. And then on the red side, you have uh, some political states. That is states, uh, with their own military forces, with, uh, uh, intact leadership. So you don't really need an insurgency there. They are the leaders. So if Texas kind of said, screw you, we're not going to, oh, I don't know, ban guns. Texas still has a functioning system. It's not a bunch of guerrillas. They're holding territory and controlling, uh, and maintaining and executing a regular government. That's kind of an interesting uh, uh, an interesting balance of forces. Let's look at ge- geographically. Where are the blues? And I'm going to break it down to blue and red, just for convenience sake. Blue and red. Where are the blue? Blue hold urban areas. Red, rural areas, suburbs, those are contested. In the long term, what is it better to hold? The urban areas, which they're, with their uh, rich uh, uh, financial, technological, biz economic resources, or the red areas, the rural areas, with the commodities like energy and food and water. You know, blue states cut off from Netflix, or red states cut off from Netflix. Okay, they got to find something to do later in the evening. Blue cities cut off from food, as I say, uh, as I've said before, and I'll say again, after five days, a blue city without food is Mogadishu. And the people in these blue cities are demonstrably unprepared to exist in Mogadishu. I know, I, I saw it here in Los Angeles. 
Now, people came from outside to rescue them, that is, military forces. Actually, we generated some military forces in. I was in Los Angeles when I was generated as, a, as part of an infantry battalion. But most of the forces came from outside. Who's going to come rescue you? Who's going to, you know, all you got to do is cut off the railroads, cut off the interstates. There's long stretches of interstate out there, all super vulnerable to ambush. And remember, and I want you guys to think about this carefully, two untrained dipshits in Boston with very light weapons, I'm talking handguns, and some homemade explosives, shut down Boston. The entire city about two guys, untrained, poorly equipped, not particularly good tactical thinkers, Shut down all of Boston. What happens if you get a lot of guys with better weapons like, oh, I don't know, ARs, AKs, many of whom are veterans, many of whom are ideologically committed, whether through their religion or just because they are uh, red state patriots? What kind of effect could they have in rural areas as far as cutting off access to the blue cities for people bringing in food or water? There's a lot of infrastructure out there to blow. I mean, what if you blow out, what if you, you know, if somebody decided to blow out the, uh, uh, the California canals that bring water from the Sierras down? These are, I mean, they're unguarded. You know, you can go 100 miles, there's nobody guarding them. Because no one never occurred to anybody to destroy them. Because it never occurred to anybody to think, oh my gosh. What if we have some sort of civil unrest? This is bad stuff, guys. I am not for this. I am against this. But I'm telling you, the possibility is there. And if you ask me, the correlation of forces is strongly in favor over the long term of the red. Short term, blue, because the blue have all the visible stuff. They have all the banks and the academia and uh, the Silicon Valley and stuff. But you know what? You can't eat Instagram. You cannot eat Instagram. And what war does is brings people to their most basic level. You got to eat, you got to shit, sleep, and you got to shoot. That's that's life in wartime. And if you can't do all those things, I mean, blow up the sewer system. You have now made a city uninhabitable. Maybe not San Francisco. I think they're used to, uh, you know, field expedient uh, defecation. But like normal places, you're going to have sick people, you're going to have dead people. I think I think the correlation of forces, the situation, particularly the fact the red state people uh, have uh, are the repository of military training, military values. That is, you know, I, I would much rather. Uh, uh, lead people who, you know, want to be part of a ba- basketball team and know which bathroom to piss in rather than uh, a bunch of uh, gender neutral people who are going to cry if I misgender them under fire. So they've got the they, they have the they have the cultural inclinations that make warriors. They have the patriotism that motivates warriors. They have the guns and guns are important, guys. Guns are important. Guns are key. You're not a citizen if you don't have a gun. You are a serf if you don't have a gun. 
That's just the way it is. So that's my thought on how civil wars might work. There's a lot more, and we'll be back, The Fall and Rise of America. You must go get it. If you if you buy enough copies, the uh, the publisher will release the rest of our family, which we're you know, looking forward to. Are we? Are we, says Arena. Anyway, that's my uh, Town Hall VIP podcast for today. I am Kurt Schlichter. I hope you enjoyed uh, it, and uh, you know someday I will increase my production values. But that is, but that day is not today. I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.